0: Amen. Surely the spirit of God is in this place today. Amen. Thank you, team. Thank you, team. So as we get situated up here, if you have scripture with you this morning, I invite you to turn to the New Testament book of Colossians. Colossians. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible with you, uh, the, uh, back on the table in the doors when you walked in, there's some Bibles there. So you can grab one next time, or you can grab one now if you'd like. Uh, if you don't have a, a Bible of your own, I want to invite you to uh, go ahead and, the one you pick up, take it with you. Uh, one of the things that we believe here at Palmyra Grace is if you get into the world, into the Word, His Word will get into you, and it's going to transform you from the inside out. And so we don't want uh, you not having one get in the way of that. So you take one, and if you need help getting into it, come see me, because I'd love to talk to you about it. We're going to look at uh, Colossians 3, verses 1 to 15. So I'm going to read it aloud, and uh, you can read along with me if you have Scripture with you. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Here there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put to death then as God's chosen ones, or put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one is a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we go to your word this morning, we just ask that uh, we would have open ears and open hearts. Lord, we praise you. We lift up your holy name and we recognize in this moment that sometimes during this week we failed you. We've sinned against you. We ask you that you would forgive us. And Lord, now as we go to your word, we ask that your Holy Spirit would would stir our hearts. Lord, we don't want this time, I don't want this time to be a time of transfer of information from me to a crowd of listeners. No, Lord. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would bring about life transformation during this time. That your word would change us from the inside out. That you would waken our hearts. That you would grow our love for Jesus. And Lord, that the change that you would bring about in our hearts and lives would be so evident to the world around us this next week. That people would want to know why we are different. Why, as the words we just said, why we're so thankful Why we seem to walk out love. And we'd be able to tell them about your son Jesus. And they'd be able to come to know him. And find the joy and freedom that is in his name. So Lord, we give this time to you. And I ask you to help me. Because I can't do this on my own. Speak through me, Lord. And bring all of your plans into, into account this morning. In Jesus' precious name and all God's people said... Amen. So if you haven't been here, we're actually in the fourth week of a series called Enough, walking through the book of Colossians. Walking through the book of Colossians, and we ask the question each week, we ask the question starting in week one, what is enough? What is enough? And I said, you know, there's like, there's so many things in our lives that wrap up this idea of enough. You know, there's bills to pay, we worry if we're going to have enough money for them, and there's, you know... There's our house, and there's our jobs, and there's our parenting, and there's all of these things. And, you know, the idea in our mind of, like, am I going to be enough? Do I have enough? Will it be enough? Well, we have enough, right? Or am I going to be smart enough? Am I going to be good enough? Is she going to like me enough? All of these things can cloud our minds, and we can, in a sense, kind of carry them with us, put them in a bag that's overloaded with all of these things, and they distract us from focusing on the one, the only one who is enough, and that's Jesus. And what the book of Colossians shows us is that you're never going to feel enough. You're never going to feel like you have enough if you don't know Jesus. And so we said the first week that we've got to make room for him in our lives. We've got to do that. And then the second week we said that, you know, Paul showed us through this uh, book of Colossians that, that Jesus is first among everything. So it's not enough just to make room for him. We have to make him the first priority in everything. And Jesus isn't waiting by the way for us to make him first because he is first he is king of king and lord of lords our our call from this book our call as followers of christ is surrendering to him as first in everything and then everything else will add up to that and last week we said the reason we do all of that that paul said was because he used this incredible two words these incredible two words where he said in him You know what the secret to having enough is? You know what the secret to feeling like you finally are there in every place? The secret is in him. It's only in his enough will we be enough. The secret is in him. And so today we're going to look again at enough. What is enough? What's the definition of enough? It's the amount sufficient to satisfy a need or requirement. Because there's things I know right now. Whether it's heartbreak, whether it's stress at work, whether it's stress at home, whether it's self-doubt, regardless of what it is, there's everybody in this room at one point or another this week, we had a lack, we felt a lack, and we need him to satisfy it. If we don't go to him, we look for other things to satisfy, don't we? So today Paul's going to help us in chapter 3 to unpack a little bit more what it looks like. Once you're in him, what the process looks like in our life to live into this enoughness that's in Christ Jesus. Because there's not just those things in our bag. When we come to saving faith in Jesus, when we, when we put him first in our lives, it's not just the things in this world that, that distract us. There's a whole lot of other things that we bring into this relationship with Jesus. And so... I've asked Jonah to come up this morning to help us out. Can we give him a hand? He's so brave when the pastor just says, hey, can you come up front? Why don't you stand right here for us? So there's these things that we, that we have that we kind of bring into this relationship with Jesus. Are you excited as I am? What? Are you excited? <laughs> He's like, I just woke up. I don't even know what's going on. So... There's these things that we bring in to our relationship with Jesus. Like like lust. And we put it on. And we wear it, right? And this is one maybe we don't want anybody to see. We don't really want anybody to talk about. I did I picked you just cuz of your hair. Uh, it's every you know, and then and for some of us it's anger, right? Yeah, and we we've got anger and we get angry with people, we go off the hook, maybe, maybe that's the way we saw our dad or our grandpa or our mom deal with the stresses of life, the lack in our life, and so we have anger, and then we put that on, and then there's past relationships, right? Past hurts, times people have harmed you, maybe some things that happened in your childhood that you're still living with, and you know, they don't just miraculously go away when you surrender your life to Jesus, Right? those memories don't go away, the distrust that you have for people, the ability that you have to enter in and truly love people, those past relationships harm that ability. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's, no, this doesn't happen in our church, by the way. This is, this only happens in the church down the road. So if you're new, welcome to our church where this never happens. But there's gossip, right? Yeah. Yeah. And some of us have a problem with that, and, and so we put that on, we bring this, we, right, we bring these things into our relationship. How are you doing? This is starting to get hard? It's getting hot. It's getting hot, yeah? <laughs> these lights are like air conditioning. Um, and then, you know, some of us are lucky because we have really cool humor that nobody seems to get, Right. And like every time we crack a joke, you know, nobody does it. So it's just really tough. This is definitely you, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, so we, we wear that in our relationship with God, right? It causes some problems in our life, right? Some of us, it's addiction. Some of us, we, we struggle with addiction, whether it's substances, whether it's pornography, whether it's food, right? Right? And we walk into this relationship with Christ, and it doesn't go away right away. Like, we recognize he's enough. We've put him first, but we're still struggling with that. And so, do I need, do I need to help you yet? Uh, no, I got All it. All right, you got this? Okay. So, so we carry that, we carry that, right? Wait, there's more. Because <laughs> there's a lot of stuff, right? I mean, we carry a lot of stuff with us. We have envy, Right? We have envy, and now we have like this thing called social media that allows us to envy people 24-7 just by going like this. Because everything on there is true. Everybody puts their whole life on there. It's not just the highlight reels, right? Yeah. But there's envy, right? There's the envy of of life, and we struggle with that. And then we, some of us have the need to be in control. Now I'm getting personal, huh? Yeah, we have to be in control. And the idea of surrendering to Christ for salvation, okay, we can deal with that. I understand I'm a sinner, but to surrender my control to Him, to give everything to Him, boy, that's tough. And so we wear that. We wear that around. You're doing so good, Jonah. For some of us, it's grief, for some of us, it's loss. There's a person, you know, we're heading into the holiday season and there's a person that we've lost and we carry that and it's hard. Some of us, it's a loss that happened early in our life and we say to ourselves, let's be honest, we say to ourselves, if God's so good, why did this happen, right? And we pull that along with us and we wear that. How you doing? I don't have to work out today. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And so, On the outside, we look fine, right? On the outside, yeah, we're saved. On the outside, we're praising God. On the outside, we come week in and week out to church. On the outside, we're saying, hey, how you doing? I'm doing great, right? Yeah, I was saved by grace through faith. Yes, Christ reigns in my heart. Yes, I'm following him. But you know what? The reality is for every single one of us, there's a whole lot of layers that we're carrying around. There's a whole lot of things that are weighing us down. Is that pretty heavy? Pretty heavy. Yeah. Pretty heavy. Yeah. 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 And and how else do you feel? Hot. 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 Yeah. And, and do you think that you'd be able to like play basketball right now? No. No? Hot. No? You wouldn't be able to do that? I can't do that in general. <laughs> <laughs> he said he can't do that in general. But yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing. Whether we want to admit it or not, whether these all apply to you or not, A lot of us are walking around like this. And then we read things, and it says, well, you know, there's freedom in Christ's name, and we're not experiencing him. What we're going to see today is Paul says something very clear to us. He says that, yeah, you know what, when you come into Christ, you're safe, but there's this old self. There's this old part of you that you walk in with. And so he says that you've got to start taking it off. Yeah, you can continue, just, why don't you stand over here so everyone can watch you. There you go. He says, you got to take it off. He says, you got to pull it off one by one. He says that this isn't going to be an immediate process, but there is freedom. You're not stuck with these things forever. Chapter 3 teaches us how to leave our old self behind and how to start living in this new life. Because we know our way being a Christian isn't just about being good enough. It's about growing in the grace that God's given us, right? So how do we do that, though? Because it's not a magic wand. It's not this magical thing. There is a process that God wants us to walk with him through to find freedom. To finally be free of all of these things we bring into our relationship with him. Can we give Jonah a hand? So let's unpack, let's unpack what this is. What we're going to see today as we look through the passage we read earlier is that we're changed to enough in Jesus. But this is a change that he wants to take place, a change of clothes even. So if you already are in Colossians 3, 1 to 15, let's go ahead and take a look. So this is what Paul says. He says, if you have been raised with Christ... We talked about this last time. If you weren't here last week, Paul gave us a picture. He said there's a picture in the Christian faith, a symbol, a sign of what the process of coming to faith in Jesus looks like. He used baptism as an example of that. Because our baptism is a symbol, a sign of of the fact that when we said yes to Jesus, our old self died, went into the grave with Christ, And then as he rose from the dead, when we come out of the water, we have new life. So if you've been raised up with Christ because you are in him, that's the secret of being in him, then you need to do something. Be able to start this process, you have to have a mindset where you seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. He says, set your minds, fix your minds, become fixated on the things that are above Not on the things of earth. Not on all the things that we worry about if they're going to be enough, if we have enough, right? Pretty simple. Don't don't worry about those things because now that you're in Christ, now that you've been raised with him, you have to become fixated on him because it's only in him where you'll ever find what you're looking for. He goes on, he says, because you have died. Your old self has died and your new life is hidden with Christ in God. You've literally, he's standing in front of you. When God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Christ. It's not because of what you've done, it's because of what he did. And he says, we understand this promise. We are fixing our eyes on it, we are becoming fixated on it, and the reason we are is because there's a promise that when Christ, who is our life, by the way, Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Jeremy, Jeremy this, uh, this is flashing for battery, and I had full battery when I started. I'm going to have to keep you busy this morning. Thanks, man. So last week I talked about this picture that Paul was trying to talk us about. This idea of the fact that Jesus is the fullness. Oh, there we go. Gee, may have to turn it off first. Man, this, aren't, aren't these guys great? They are. <laughs> We have no—you have no idea how many things are moving parts just to make this happen. It's so good for have these guys. So, last week we talked about this—that you know, Paul's very clear that Jesus, Jesus is all. He is all. We are in Him, and He is the definition of enough. And we, but some of us have this problem where we think about this process, this process that we're talking about of becoming from a new believer and growing in grace that, we, that we're growing is, is this upward step towards Jesus. And, and what that looks like practically is that for some of us, and this, is, this isn't right, but this is how some of us think, what that looks like is, you know what, when I first became saved, I needed 100% of Jesus' grace because I was a pretty messed up guy. And I really needed him a lot because it it's clear to me I was a sinner and saved grace. But then we, we think that, you know what, as we grow in grace, that we're going to get better, right? And that's true. There's fruit. The fruit of the Spirit come. But as we grow in grace and as we move along life, what we sometimes can begin to believe, that what that blue represents, is that, you know what, as I get better, I need less of him. You know, like I'm halfway through life and you know what, I'm 50% there I only need 50% of Jesus. In fact, I'm pretty good. And what comes out of this is the problem where we look down at other people. We're like, man, they're only 30%. Yeah, they got a lot of work to go. Right? This is called self-righteousness, by the way. And we begin to attach behaviors to this because we lose sight of the fact that the truth is we always need his grace. We always need his grace. And what I would argue, though this, you know, as any example can be, there's holes in it. This is maybe a better picture of it where when we first get saved, yeah, you know what? We've got a lot of baggage. But the good thing is is that 1% of Jesus' grace is more than enough to save us. 1%. Faith-leavened mustard seed will move mountains. And then the end goal, the reality, what is above, which is all of Jesus, full Jesus being in his presence. When he appears in glory, Paul just said, you will fully be known and you will fully be like him. And we're supposed to set our mind on that goal and something's going to happen in our life. Each and every day as we die to ourselves, each and every day as we take things off and we move closer to his grace, his grace which is going to be promised to us, his grace that we fixated our minds on, his grace that we've set on our minds to the aboveness where Christ is right now, it breaks into our life and day after day as we die to our old self, more of him floods in and it is so good. That's what Paul is going to talk to us about. As he goes on. But here's the thing. Dallas Willard, theologian Dallas Willard, says this. This process of Christ just breaking in day after day. It doesn't just happen as we passively say, Jesus, I'm going to keep doing everything I do. And until you, like, smack me upside the head, I'm going to get it right. He says it does going to take effort. Grace, but Dallas Willard said it this way. I love this. Grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. We can't earn it. There's nothing we can do to deserve it. But because earning is an attitude, but effort is an action. There's a steps that we need to take. There's ways in which God is inviting us into this process of shedding this junk that weighs us down as we step into freedom. It looks like a change of clothes. So he says you got to take some things off. Verse 5, it says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly. Anybody going to argue with me that these things are earthly? Put them to death. You died. Your life is hidden in Christ. So the old stuff needs to be put to death. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. Put them to death. He goes on, he says, In these you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them away. To which some of us say, Listen, I understand that you're using past tense, but i got to tell you, Paul, some of these things I still walk in. Right? Some of these things I still struggle with. Which I believe Paul would say to you, learning to trust that you have the fullness of God in you in Christ is the very key and essential to faith. So you don't look at you. When he says this, the reason he says, he, the reason he can say, into these you once walked is because you are in Christ and if you fixate on him and you walk in him and you surrender to him as he changes you, you will become what you already are does this make sense this is what he's telling us you must put them away this is the effort you must say no to them anger wrath malice slander and obscene talk from your mouth all of them they gotta go they're weighing you down they're heating you up (laughs) right so don't lie to one another Seeing that you put off these old practices, or put off the old self with these practices. Don't do it. It's interesting, we talked about last week how Paul uses it as a symbol for this, baptism. And early in the church, the first couple hundred years after Christ was ascended, they started doing this thing where as you presented yourself for baptism, whatever clothes you were wearing, it's going to be a little risque, just, you know, you take them all off. And people were baptized naked. And when they came out of the water, they put on brand new clothes. The church gave them brand new clothes that were solid white, that symbolized purity in Christ. I think Paul probably has that in mind when he's talking about this. This change, this process is about taking things off, taking all of this mess off And then putting on something different. Let's look at what he says. He says, you have to put on the new self. Which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Folks, this is the key. Do you understand? One of the things we believe, the reason why we as Christians actually believe in the value of all people The value of all people, the reason we have a a belief that every single human being is valuable and has a purpose is because in Genesis we learn that God himself, when he made mankind, made us in his image and likeness. And do you know that when you wear these things, do you know when you walk a life, when you live your life outside of Christ that you're actually not living as your true self? You're not living as the person that God created you to be what Paul's actually saying is that as you take these things off you actually become the person that you were intended to be the reason why you feel lack the reason why you feel frustration the reason why you seek the things of earth and they never fill the empty spots in your life is because you were seeking after that which brings death because it's not ever anything that you were supposed to wear in the first place It's the opposite of what God intended you to be. And so verse 10, he says, Do you not know that after you have put your faith in Christ Jesus and the Holy Spirit has entered you, that as you take these things off and his grace floods into your life, that you are becoming something new. You are being renewed. You are being transformed from the inside out into the image of God because that is what you're supposed to be. That's who you're supposed to be. And as you seek him, and as you fixate on him, and as you look at Jesus and you say, he is my guide, he is the pioneer and perfecter of my faith, he is the only one on my mind, you are chasing after the reality of who you already are in him. And the Christian life is falling in love with Jesus and understanding that Jesus came and died so that you wouldn't have to feel what you feel, so that you wouldn't have to sin the way that you sin, so that you wouldn't have the broken relationships and the broken thoughts and the broken attitudes that you walk with each and every day. There is more, folks. There is more for all of us And he wants, as you peel these things off, for his grace to flood into your heart and your life and renew you. Because, he goes on in verse 11, he says, because there is no differences in us anymore. In the early church, there was all kinds of people coming to this reality. Greeks and Jews were coming to his faith. Barbarians Scythians. Scythians were people that lived in a place where, honestly, the, the people that would have read this letter for the first time would have said, Scythians? Even them? Because they would have been considered as far away from God as you possibly could be. Even the people that you in your mind right now think there's no way you could get further lost than them. Guess what? Once they say yes to Jesus, they're just is the same as you. Saved by grace through faith. Walking through this life. Why? because Christ is all, and he's in all. This is the invitation that we have from him. And so he says, put on then, allow that grace to flood in. Put on a new outfit, put on a new wardrobe. That old wardrobe isn't in style anymore. There's something new for you to wear. Put it on as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, Yes, you are holy in Christ Jesus. You are loved by God. So put on compassion. Compassionate hearts. Put on kindness. Put on humility. Put on weakness. Put on patience. Bear with one another. Have patience with one another. Can I get an amen? I need God's help with that. Right? Every day. If one has a complaint against against another, forgive each other. Right? Right? As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all else, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Because if you do this, if you, if you realize that actually this life is a daily walk in where I die to my old self, Every morning I recognize that I need his grace to flood in. And as you engage that by seeking him first in all things, putting him first in all things, and as his Holy Spirit tears away the old you and his grace puts on the new you, something's going to happen. Paul says something's going to happen. Not because of what you did, but because the heart of God and his love for you wants to renew you into his image because his love for you isn't just to save you for heaven. It's so that you experience all of his enough today. This is what's going to happen. The peace of Christ will rule in your heart to which you will be called in one body. And you'll be thankful. You'll be able to praise If you don't know Jesus and you come in here and you're like, why are people singing so loud and praising their hands, raising their hands and lifting their hearts and singing to the Lord? It's because when this grips your life, you can't ignore it. When you fall in love with him, you can't get over it. Why do I raise my hands when I worship? Because every single time my child was a toddler and she wanted picked up, you know what she did? She came to me like this. And I recognize that each and every time I come in here that if I want to walk in this life, if I want to peel this crap off, can I say that in church? (laughs) I just did, I guess. (laughs) If I want to peel this off and I want more of him to come in, I need To seek after him and praise him. And be thankful for all that he is. For all that he's done. Folks, this isn't just, he says, right here he says, to which you were called in one body. This is one of the purposes of the church. If you're saved by grace through faith, this is why you have to be part of a local church. Because this isn't just an an individual thing. This is a corporate thing. This is a thing where god's put his local church in a community because when this truth takes the grip of the hearts of the people that meet in this church and then we live this out in the community where we live he starts to break into the world that's why he taught us to pray your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven We want to see Palmyra. We want to see Anvil. We want to see Lebanon. We want to see every place where his darkness is not shine, his light is not shining in the darkness to receive the light of Christ so people will know there is hope. And the things that they're chasing after, hoping that they will be enough, are never gonna bring them satisfaction. It's never gonna bring them fulfillment. And it's only if we grip this, it's only if we hold on to this, it's only if this change and his grace pours into us will they begin to see there is something different. I mean, ask yourself, folks, would you rather live in a community where verses five to nine are present, where everybody's living in sexual immorality and impurity, everybody's living in a feeble desire, everyone's coveting one another, right? Where everyone's angry, where everyone's full of wrath and malice and slander, where everyone has obscene things coming out of their mouths, where everyone lies to one another. Do you want to live in a world like that? Do you want to come to a church like that? Do you want to go to a school like that? No. I hope not. I didn't hear anybody. You're like, I don't know. <clears throat> What's for lunch, right? No. I hope not. Paul's vision that he's trying to show us is that if we would grip a hold of this and if we would represent this, as we are being renewed, we would represent this news to the world. That's what represent means. That we could live in a place where there's compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Patience for one another. Where people love and forgive each other because God's forgiven them. Where the key thing that defines the people of God is that they're literally wearing love. This isn't sappy stuff, folks. This is the power of the Holy Spirit. Taking root in the heart of those who put Christ above all, right? It's a place where we are thankful. This is the place that God's calling us. And here's the deal. We're gonna be tempted to put on the old self. We are. I mean, is there not anything more comfortable than that one pair of jeans? You know which one I'm talking about. Like that one pair of jeans, that, like your wife tells you you wear them too much. Maybe that's just me but there's that one pair of jeans or that's that one sweatshirt. You know, you've had it since 1982, but nothing feels better than that sweatshirt, right? Like people in your family actually bought you a new one for Christmas and you still don't wear it. Yeah, we're gonna be tempted to put that on. (laughs) There's gonna be times where wearing the clothes of love is not gonna be what's on our mind because people are hard to live with. Yeah, it's gonna be downright impossible. That's why we have to remember that the only way this happens, the only way that we're able to live into this is when we remember we're changed to enough in Jesus. Where we become fixated and we set our minds on him where we put him first in our life, where every day we wake up to a newness of life and we realize I need your good news and I need your grace to break into my life. So Lord, let me chase after you. Holy Spirit, come and fill my life. Lord, forgive me. I repent in the ways that I'm still living in this and I ask you to take it away from me. Rip it off of me and allow more of you to be put on. You and I will never be enough, but we could always be enough if we realize that the change that he wants to bring about in our life will make us enough in Jesus. So what do you think he wants to change in you today? I mean, what is it that he may be saying, I, you know, you, I don't even tell you. The Holy Spirit's telling you right now. There's something that needs to be taken off. Or maybe there's something he, he wants his grace to put on you so that you can walk in the fullness. Where are you lying to yourself that you're not already enough in Christ? Where are you striving? This is the walk of faith, Folks. You know, I like to read, and I've been reading uh, the Chronicles of Narnia. Have you ever heard of them? With my, with my daughter, Lydia. C.S. Lewis was an incredible writer, and, and he understood Jesus. He understood what this looked like. And in this, the third installment here called The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, he tells a story. He tells a story about these kids who first went to Narnia. And if you don't know this story, that's okay. These kids that first went to Narnia, a couple of them came back. And their cousin, Eustace, came with them accidentally. And Eustace was a jerk. He was a complainer. He was a problem. He was someone that lived in the old clothes. Because he never realized there were new ones. About the time that we get to the point where this book's at, where this story where I'm about to read to you is from. Uh, you're really r- hoping to get rid of Eustace, <laughs> to be honest. But something happens to Eustace. He goes and walks away from all of his, his friends one night because he's just tired of them because he's a jerk. And he finds a cave full of gold, full of treasure, full of all the things that he thinks are going to be enough, right? Finally there's a reason why I'm in this stupid world because I have found all that I'll ever want. And so he puts some he puts a bracelet on and he just falls asleep in what he thinks is going to bring satisfaction. And he wakes up changed into a dragon changed into something evil, changed into something ugly, changed into something that nobody wants to be around. What was on the inside, he was wearing on the outside. And then something happens. A lion, a lion who in C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia represents Christ, named Aslan. Aslan comes to meet Eustace. And he says this. I was lying awake one night and wondering what on the earth would become of me. And I looked up and I saw the very last thing I expected: a huge lion coming towards me. I was terribly afraid of it. You may think that being a dragon, I would have knocked any lion out easily, but I it wasn't that kind of fear. And when it came closer to me, I looked straight, it looked straight into my eyes. And he told me to follow him. Don't miss that. So at last we came to the top of a mountain that I've never seen before. And on top of this mountain, there was a garden and trees and fruit and everything. And in the middle of it, there was a well of water. The water was clear as anything. And I thought if I could just get in there and bathe, it would ease my pain. I'm not going to be able to get through this. (laughs) But the lion told me, you must undress first. I was going to say that I couldn't undress because I didn't have any clothes, and I suddenly thought, oh yeah, dragons are all snaky, and they have skin that they cast off, so of course that's what the lion means. So I started scratching myself, and scales came off all over the place. I scratched it a little deeper, and my whole skin started peeling off. And a minute or two later, I stepped out of it, and I saw it lying there beside me. So I started to step into the well to bathe, but as I was going down and put my foot into the water, I looked and what I saw was hard and rough and wrinkled and scaly, just like it always had been. Oh, that's right, I thought, that must mean I have to remove something else. I must have a smaller suit underneath the first one. I'll have to get rid of it too. So I scratched and tore off this skin and I peeled it off beautifully beautifully, and I stepped outside of it. It was lying beside the other and I stepped into the well to bathe and exactly the same thing happened again. Oh dear, how many skins do I have to take off? For I was longing to bathe. Hmm. So I scratched the third time and just like the other two, I was still myself. But then the lion said, you will have to let me undress you. I was afraid of his claws, I'll tell you. And I was pretty desperate now. So I decided to lay flat down on my back and let him do it. Don't miss that. The very first tear he made was so deep that I thought he had gone deep into my heart And when he began pulling the skin off, it hurt worse than anything I've ever felt. The only thing that made me able to bear it was the pleasure of feeling the stuff come off. Mhm. And he peeled the beastly stuff off just as I thought I had done the other times. But this time the things that were coming off were much thicker and darker and more knobbly looking than all the others, and as smooth, as soft peeled off, the smaller I the smaller I became. And then he caught a hold of me. And I didn't like it very much. For I felt very tender underneath the skin. But then he threw me in the water. It hurt for a moment, but then it became as perfectly delicious as anything I'd ever felt. And I started swimming and splashing, and all the pain was gone. And then I saw why. I turned into a boy again. And after a bit, the lion took me out and dressed me. He was telling Edmund this story, and Edmund says, dressed you with his paws? And Eustace says, well, I don't remember that bit, but he did somehow or other put me in new clothes. I must have been a dream. No, it wasn't a dream, Edmund said. Why don't you believe that? Well, you're not a dragon anymore and you have new clothes on. So what do you think happened then? I think you've met Aslan. C.S. Lewis got it. You see, grace isn't opposed to, is opposed to earning, but it's not opposed to effort. But we have to remember that it requires us to surrender. It requires him to do it. And guess what? If we do it ourselves, we've been there. If we try to do it ourselves, oftentimes when we wake up in the morning and we see ourselves still in the mirror. But what he wants to do, folks, is he wants to go deeper. He wants to go so deep that it goes into your very heart. And he wants to peel it all away so you become new. And then he wants to dress you in him, clothe you in him. And you can do that because you can meet Aslan. You can meet Jesus. He's risen. He's alive. And if you would set your mind on him, if you would become fixated on him, the opposite of this process, or the end of this process is freedom and joy, thankfulness. You'd be able to put on love. We're only changed this way, and we're only changed to enough in Jesus. And every single one of you, Every single one of us is being invited today to take off the old and put on the new. And you will become renewed into the image of the one who came to save you. That's good news. And in that place, you'll always find enough. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We love your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for this invitation. The invitation of your grace. Father, I would just ask that right now, with every eye shut and every head bowed, if, if, if they're in this place this morning and you just say, you know what? God's asking me to, to put off, to put to death something. Just raise your hand. I got something I need to put off. Yeah, just raise your hand and agree with what God's saying in your heart. Holy Spirit, Jesus, touch these people right now. Empower them to surrender to you. Give them the steps in their minds and their hearts that they need to take to give this over to you and empower them to walk in the newness of life that's found in the freedom in the beautiful name of Jesus. If you're here this morning and you, know, you, you say, well, actually, Holy Spirit's messing with my heart. There's something I need to put on. I need to put on. Raise your hand. Say, I need to put on something. I'm not walking in newness. See those hands. Holy Spirit, empower them. Pour yourself out on them anew. We want to see your fruit bear in their lives. Use them, Lord, as they walk out in faithfulness to you, as they become fixated on you. Help them put on more of you. Lord, I would ask that for each one of them and each one of us that as we walk through this process, that the renewing of our hearts and lives to the image of your son Jesus, that we would draw others to him in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our workplaces, in our schools. Lord, use us this week to share this good news with somebody. We love you, Lord. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.